Let's go. Hi, welcome to another episode of Unprepared DMs. I'm one half of your host, Robert. And I'm the other half, bruh, also some person on the screen. <laughs> and uh, we're here today with Rich. Thank you for joining us. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. Another thing for you uh, fine folks who are listening right now, if you ever want to get 15% off dice, go over to dice, dicemancy.com and use code unprepared DMs to save 15% off. You finally remembered. I finally I mean, nothing. <laughs> uh, so, Rich, once again, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know we were supposed to do this last week, but we had to live up to our name somehow. I, you know what? I get it. Life happens. Things happen. <laughs> I'm ready to go now, as unprepared uh, as I should be. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, like I was telling you before we actually went live, I had a uh, – it was my – finale of my other campaign uh, and to me personally it was a good everyone had fun but to me personally as a dm i was like i could have done a few things here and there better so i felt like i kind of had a bad session myself and uh ironically i was also looking for my next guest on the podcast and you tweeted out had a bad session last night not the players they had fun but i was just how i ran it now i find that important because we're our own worst enemies when we come when we dm um, so when you, when you have like these bad, like, if you, if you feel like you haven't lived up to your standards, is it kind of like right, next week we're going back to the drawing board or is it like, I've done this enough to know, I know what I'm doing. Cause um, to me, I it's mean, like, oh, God. No, no, no. It's you, I, your, your listeners can't see me, but I'm old. I've been doing this for so long now that I know I'm going to have a bad session on, on occasion. It's. It's inevitable. Like you think you've got everything prepared. You think you're, you, you know, your players and your players throw a curveball at you. And all of a sudden you're scrambling to, to, to try and build everything around what they're doing. But it was not at all how any of the, the five different scenarios you, you picked out, like they go with choice six and <laughs> you didn't plan for that. And sometimes you just feel like, you know what, I was winging it. They were having fun, but I felt like I really didn't in build up a certain part of it that I wanted to. Players um, will always find out how to add an extra option and then just go with it. Exactly. It, it's just amazing how it uh, will always happen. Uh, me and Bra here, uh, he was uh, one half of my big bad for my one campaign. So for like two weeks straight, we were like, uh, we're going to plan every little detail about this fight, and then they can't, no one can mess this up. And then the players were like, throw that out. We're doing whatever we want. And then I was like, all right, we, we, got, we, got, was, ourselves, um, we got ourselves your, a session here. Your plan to like infiltrate a big valuable guy meeting instead of, in talk, instead of like talking at all, one of them just cast like eight meteors like on this area. And <laughs> yeah. <like> and- <laughs> He almost, yeah, they, they almost TPK'd the party before the final session. I was like, wow, you, guys almost, you made my job so easy. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, the session before the bad one, um, the, the players, they made this great plan. They were all on board with it. The, the start of the plan involved one person infiltrating, and they perfectly infiltrated. They're coming back, and there's a guard on a bridge, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to just take this guard out. It was not part of their plan. Now he's invisible. 
and the guard is not facing him. So I'm giving him advantage. I'm giving him all these bonuses. Yeah. He rolls a one. I roll like an 18 for the guard. I so, think that beats him. So this guy like goes to grab the guard and throw him over the edge, completely misses, blows his invisibility. The entire plan goes to hell. I'm having a great time. The players are having a great time. But it's, it's what players do. They, they suddenly decide they're going to do something, even though they've all talked out, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I, you know, as a player, I was always, I'm typically the one to be like, you put a shiny thing or an NPC in my way, I'm like, I want it. I'm taking it. And then as a DM, I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> it's like, damn. I mean, you become your own enemy with that. Yes. Um, which, about, to, me, to me, is kind of funny. Yeah. About uh, campaigns, what is the way that you prep your campaigns? Like, what do you do? Um, I, I'm going to uh, really, um, I guess, sell myself out here. I do very little to plan my com- campaigns. Um, I have maybe a note card's worth of bullet points that I start with. And when I run a campaign, um, I'll, I I never try and have like the big bad is some world ending event. Uh, it's usually much more personal to the characters involved, um, in fact, in uh, I usually run like five to six session arcs for the characters. And I just finished one uh, four weeks ago. And the, the big bad was somebody who had kidnapped another character's daughter. And everybody like came together and was, was there to, to defeat this big bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I didn't even know this was going to be the big bad when I started with the session one of the group. It was, here's four or five different things going on in the world. And I put them out there. The players kind of started to do one thing, move to another thing. Um, and then this the one player, her character, she brought up, you know what? I'm going to ask this town guard we've been working with, like, you know, has he heard anything about missing children? And she puts this out there and all of a sudden the players are now involved in trying to, to find her daughter. I hadn't planned it for this arc. I expected this arc would be further down the line, but it just fell into place right here. Uh, So I kind of, I let the players lead me where they want to go and really build out the campaign. Um, no more than than two sessions in advance. Yeah, so That's interesting. I like that a lot. I wish I would have uh, taken the page out of your book with that. Um, I did my I, I completed my first ever campaign a little bit ago, and it took me about 15, like fifteen sessions maybe to realize that so I would spend all week long writing out like a full script for myself and everything and like planning out everything. And I'm like, okay, they don't want to do this part. And I had this part written down and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go with what they want. So I over prepped for a little bit. And now 
what I typically do is stick to how I started was I have a beginning to my campaigns and I have, I know how it's going to begin and I have a rough idea how it's going to end. The rest, my players are going to fill in. Man, you guys are like having only like a note card worth. I have like a full page, me and my friend, just like <laughs> with the notes. And then it's like, so no, that's really, I really like how you do that. Because um, if, if you over prep, you have standards, and not standards, I shouldn't say, more so like expectations that might not even be hit. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I for me, I'm going to have fun most of the time, as long as the players are having fun. You know, like yeah. you said at the beginning, I will have a bad session and I will feel like I didn't do well. Um, but when the players are enjoying the campaign, then I'm having fun. Uh, it's not about the story I want to tell. It's the story that we want to tell together. And if I said, here's the story, we're doing Storm King's Thunder, and we're going to start here, we're going to end here, and you have to hit all these points in between. Um, that's, that's great. You know, some people like that very linear story that they don't have to worry about thinking outside anything going on Mm -hmm. um so i I really kind of leave it up to the players to let me know like what do you want um what do you want the campaign to be and a lot of the times they're like i don't know let's just see what happens and that is that has been working for me it's it's not always easy it's a lot of on the fly um uh throwing ideas and, and discussions out and uh I started uh, just recently letting the players dictate some of the things. For example, uh, I do everything is in a homebrew world. And one of the players asked me, um, you know, we're going to play a cleric. And they're like, so what are the gods? So I I had, you know, some names and some basic uh, areas that these gods covered. Yeah. But they're like, you know, so what does the god like? I said, I don't know. What do you want them to be like? So one of the players ended up describing the God in a way that I never would have thought of, but it was so amazing and so appropriate to that God that if I had made them follow some tenet that I already set, it would not have been nearly as interesting for the player or for me. Absolutely. Um, That sounds really interesting. Uh, I, I got this idea from another guest we had, and I love it so much. And it's a way that um, you can, like, to me, it gives the players more opportunities to help you build the world. Um, basically, I'll go into my Discord or any almost every week, and I'll be like, what's a rumor you heard, like, in character, like, about the world? And some some rumors are really cool. And when I first started, people didn't know what I was talking about, so people were just joking around. But like once it caught on, you know, you get some really cool like, um, like I had I had one the other day that was like, this forest that this one person guarded might actually be a hometown for an alien species. I was like, I would never never thought of that. Pretty cool. Um, so I mean, I like that you also include your players to help build the world around that they're gonna be in, because um, I, I I've seen people build campaigns around a big bad seeing people build it around your players i think it's better if you build it around your players than a big bad yeah and you know it's good like so i usually have three or four big bads 
in the world um, that the players could end up interacting with. Now, if they completely ignore all of them and go off on a completely different path, I'll find a new big bad to put in there. Yeah. But like I said, I don't like to have big world ending ones um, because if the players fail, then it's world ending. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of the like big bad evil guys, what was your favorite idea for a big bad evil guy? Um, oh boy. Um, the, the one I like right now, um, I'm hoping the in-person group I have doesn't end up listening to this. Um, but it's set in a desert city and the, the city, um, has a, a group called the law keepers. They're essentially the town guard, but there's only four rules that they actually enforce. Um, the, the tribes themselves enforce all the other rules. They have their own uh, way of dealing with, with infractions. But the, uh, the head law keeper, um, he actually is rakshasha and he is working behind the scenes to essentially create chaos the group doesn't know it yet they know something is going on they found some clues that um there there's there's some attempt to destabilize the the clan structure but they keep giving information to the law keepers like here, you need to know this here. You need to know this. And all the time, this head law keeper is collecting all this information going, all right, I need to block him here. I need to block him here. So this is, he's one of my favorites so far uh, because the group really hasn't discovered him and his goals are, are really just to create chaos because that's his personality. I love that. I really like that. Um, I like that you have multiple big bads as well. It's like really neat. It's, to me, it's like if by chance, like you said, they just say, I don't want to deal with you right now. I'm just going to go to point Z. It's, it's, I love that. Now, um, some some hot topics that some tables do, some tables don't. I just want to get your opinion on that. I get all my sure. guess opinions on this. If, I, if you ask me to roll, let's say, a perception check, and I roll a nat 20, do you uh, count as a, a nat 20 in combat, or is it like, all right, that's cool and all, but they only apply to combat? Um, so all of my skill checks are um, uh, different levels of success. So, for example, if I tell you to make a perception check, uh, you're out in the wilderness, and I've set the perception at uh, a DC of 15 to notice that um, there's an ambush ahead. And you roll and you get a 13. I might say, you know, you're kind of getting a bad feeling about, you know, this stretch of the road. But mm-hmm. you don't really see anything going on. If you roll a 15, I'll be like, you see some, some movement in the trees on either side of you. 
if you roll that 20, I'll be like, all right, you see movement, you see six figures on the left and you see another seven on the right. So when, when players are rolling, they're always getting information. Um, and it's especially true with skills that they are proficient in. Um, and I like that with any system Yeah. that if the player is uh, proficient in perception and they've got a plus seven, but they roll a one, I'm going to give them something. It might yeah. not be anything that they end up acting on because it's too obscure for them to figure out, but I'll give them something. So they never know how much information they're getting and even whether or not that information is accurate. So they might roll an eight for the perception, you know, with their, their bonuses and everything. Uh, and I tell them, you know, it looks like there's movement in the trees. Yeah. So they're suddenly all tense and prepared, but really there was nothing in the trees. They just rolled a very poor perception. It was deer or rabbits in the, in the woods. Um, so write that down, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I, and I like to do that with all the skill checks because there's nothing worse for players um, to, to be good at something, to have a bad role and they yeah. don't get some piece of information. And then they've got to stumble around for another session or a session and a half trying to get this information. Um, that was really blatantly obvious. They just rolled poorly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's definitely like, bro, that, right. That's not right. That, that's actually really <laughs> good. Um, Cause I'm per, I, I mean, I do it, but I'm personally not a fan of it as well. Where like, if you were to just if me, if you and I were to just meet, and I think you're lying to me, and I roll an insight check, and I get a nat twenty, it's like, I mean, or a nat twenty, it's like I automatically know you're lying, or you just, you know, in the case may be, it's like it doesn't work like that in the real world. Like I'm, I'm not gonna know right off the bat. I might get a right. bad feeling, but I shouldn't be like you automatically pass because you get this one in a five chance. It's, right. So I, I personally like that as well, uh, but I, I do let my players get that nat twenty stuff, and I'm like. One of these days, I'm gonna change that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, nat twenties. I, I love the excitement that comes from them, so I always like to give a bit more. Um, but it's never, you know, a hundred percent accurate. You know, nothing ever is. But I just give them a bit more information than they would have gotten just passing the DC. I love that. Go ahead, bro. Oh, he's muted. All right, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> What um, am I supposed to do? I heard oh, my name. I thought you uh, I you wanted to ask a question. I was like, oh, you're up. And I saw you were muted. So I was like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, that threw me through a loop. I'm sorry. Um, so when when it comes down to uh, combat, everyone does combat a little bit differently. Um, how, do you like to like uh, add additional like systems? Like, not systems, like uh, mechanics to your combat? Like um, I had another guest who I stole this from as well. Ironically, I'm just I'm not an original guy. I just steal everything from someone who tells me something cool. You know, it's, that was it's, the it's whole flattery. plan behind this. <laughs> That's why I get guests. I'm like, you know what? You you're gonna give me something cool. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna just buy it. <laughs> I'll write that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, like it, the way you describe your attack, the best, the better you do it, you'll get like a, up to a push three to to attack. And it's so it's so cool at like levels one through like five. 
But at the same time, when you get to the higher levels, it's not that meaningful, but it gets your players in the mood to be like, I grab my katana and I swipe and the wind comes from the... And it's, it gets them to describe their stuff a little bit better. So, like, do you, like, how do you, like, do you add any additional mechanics to your combat? Um, I, I don't... Um, I don't specifically add anything additional to combat. Um, like, like, I don't have a codified rule that, you know, if you describe, you're going to get a bonus. But if my players uh, come up with something that is cinematically cool, I will give them bonuses for that. Uh, and for example, I had one player, uh, he was playing an Eldritch Knight, and one of the, the spells he had was jump. And there are, there's a pit, there's a bunch of zombies in it, and there's a person down there that's trying to get away. And um, there's a chain hanging from the ceiling. Uh-huh. So he goes, all right, I'm going to cast jump, grab that chain, and try and swing at that lead zombie as I swing by. I said, okay. You know, that sounds really cool. Give me an athletics check. He does. And, you know, theoretically, according to the mechanics, you cast a spell, you moved, you don't get another action until your next turn. Yeah. But this was so cinematically cool that I was like, all right, take your attack action as well. Um, And I will do things like that, uh, depending on on what the player describes, what they want to do. Um. And I, that's open to everybody and, and however they want to do things. Uh, I, I try not to let the the rules as written, the raw, get in the way of a cool idea or something fun that the players come up with. Uh, there are times when they come up with something completely outrageous. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if it's something simple like that, like, yeah, you're getting an extra action out of it. I understand that. Um, but, you know, some of the things I just about raw that I don't like is like, you know, a bull rush attack. You know, if you take a dash action and you move twice and you've moved into somebody, you don't actually attack them because you've used both your actions to move. Yeah. Um, So for things like that, I'll be like, yeah, you've slammed into him. Give me an attack roll. I like that. And um, sometimes the rules are... I think the rules are more there to guide us than be highly enforced. I think some of the rules are just okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it, it, I mean, I like that. Uh, you know, you'll give them that extra action and, and everything like that. Um, now, we spoke earlier about how players throw us to the wind all the time. So, all the time. They, they, they love to do it. And it's one of my favorite questions to ask here. It's like, can, is there a moment where, whether it's combat, or not combat, where you're like, all right, it's your turn, and they just threw you something that was like, this is hysterical. Like, what was like the most unprepared, funniest moment you've seen, combat or not combat? Um, it's like oh picking boy. a favorite child. I know it, it, that's really what it is. <laughs> um, the 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 session that was that was my bad session that started all this. Um, I loved what the player did, but it was so completely unexpected is, is why I was, I stumbled over everything in that session. Uh, but at the same time, I loved what they did. Mm-hmm. So 
they're they're traveling um they're th- going through the desert and there's an area called the stone forest and it is literally a a forest where everything has been turned to stone oh wow and you know they nobody knows why they don't know if it was carved if it was a real forest that turned to stone but it's in the desert yeah so there's this there's a lot of mystery behind it and they get to this point um and a uh an, an eidolon spirit is you know was supposed to protect this forest uh but it's been turned to mm-hmm. stone so it's gone a bit mad and the whole thing was the group wasn't really prepared to fight this eidolon they weren't high enough level to really fight it yeah so the, the goal was either they would start to fight and they'd flee um or they'd fight and they'd die the whole time letting them know like you know this is you know you got smacked once and look how much this hurt one of the players decided they were going to stand there not fight but just stand there in front of it and try and reason with it um and it was absolutely perfect it was perfectly in character it's exactly what the character would do it just completely threw me off Uh, but it led to a whole side arc to their their current adventure that i hadn't expected them to to deal with um it was suddenly trying to create this whole side quest that they were going to now be on um which you know that session was bad but it has led to some great storytelling in in other sessions um then if i had to tell a humorous story um my favorite part the players uh now they are at second level at this point Mm -hmm. they are traveling into the deep desert they have a pair of kobold guides now in my world uh dragons have disappeared they they haven't been seen for over a thousand years and the kobolds who typically would worship dragons um have taken to worshiping other things Mm-hmm. and the kobolds in the desert worship the great sandworms which they believe are the larval stage of dragons <laughs> so the they crest this dune uh and the, the kobolds are out in front because they're leading and the group sees them and they start dancing and stomping on the ground and the rest of the party comes up and they, they see the kobolds doing this and they look out in the desert and they see, um, you know, the, the sand is kind of roiling and moving. And they're like, oh, you know, we're going to we're gonna try and like bond with our kobold. So we start dancing with them. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole the whole thing was and the, the players kind of knew it, but just didn't think about it mm-hmm. for the kobolds to be eaten by a great worm meant you were going to become part of the dragon when it finally emerged. So the kobolds are up there trying to be eaten. And oh, the wow. players all come up there stomping and joining in. That's um, so uh, the second level characters, essentially the stats of a purple worm coming at them. And, uh, you know, they, they're, they're up there and like, you know, one of them just kind of says like, does this make sense? And I was like, hey, give me an insight check. Rolls the insight check. I'm like, 
you start to recall that kobolds want to be eaten by the, the great sandworms. And all of a sudden, there's this mad scramble, all of them trying to get away down this dune as the, the, the worm comes up and just swallows both of the kobolds. Oh, wow. Um, That's hysterical. But, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, the party just doing something and they're, they're doing it for the right reason. They're like, they're trying to, to bond and, uh, you know, learn about the, the people of the world and the, the, other, the other groups they have to deal with. But in this particular case, it was them almost getting eaten by a purple worm. I love it. That's, that's hysterical. <laughs> um, we are at that time now. And I love okay. that we, we uh, got to it on a funny story, which is always good. So at this time, like I said earlier, we, we, we take a, st- a step back and we let you plug yourself. So let the viewers know exactly what you're working on, where they can find you, and if you uh, live broadcast or not. Um, I am undecided on live broadcast. I've been recording some of the sessions. Uh, they may end up being live broadcast. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at, at 45 Adventure. Um, but if you really want to find me, you can find me at rattrapgames.com. That is uh, my, my little online venture. Um, if you're running games in person, I, uh, I've been creating uh, two by two battle mats, um, some quick scenics that are easy to store, um, all done out of cardstock so that, uh, you know, you're not hauling around tubs and tubs of terrain to your in-person games. Uh, I can have everything for four potential scenarios in one duffel bag, all the terrain I need for it. I love it. I love it. Well, Rich, thank you once again for joining us. You were thank you for having me. You were an absolute blast to uh, hang out with and talk to. Uh, bro would have said more, but his headset died halfway through the interview. <laughs> like I said, we live up to our name here, Unprepared. We we uh we embrace the name. <laughs> so once again, <laughs> thank you for uh, for coming on. We you know you were really cool to to hang with. I stole something new from another guest. It's, Good, uh, I'm glad. It's a trend. <laughs> but uh, no, th- this episode should be live. If I had to pull up my calendar real quick, um, the twenty seventh. Ooh, nice. Twenty seventh. Uh, like we t- I typically like to upload about one, but you can expect it either between one or three. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, yeah, and and once it's out, I'll uh, I'll be plugging it uh, through my accounts and uh, getting people to listen to me drone on and on for a while. Absolutely. Thank you so much again, Rich. Thanks for having me. No problem. Have a good night. All right, you too.